0: to Three Games Podcast for mid-late-ish November. My name is Tom Chick. My game of the week is not Control.
1: This is Nick Diamond, and my game of the week is not Theme Park Hospital.
2: Mm. And I'm Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not Metal Gear Solid 4.
0: Is 4 the... no, 5 is the open world. Which is the one that I didn't hate, McMaster? 5. Yeah, okay. Which one is four? Even is that the mm. one where he dies? Spoiler.
2: Yeah, it's remember it's old man snake.
0: Yeah, with reason. the monkey. Isn't there? Isn't there a dumb monkey in it? Yeah. Are you thinking of? Is it four? Or, <laughs> yeah, well, I think there is a dumb <laughs> okay. monkey. Isn't
2: there? I know there.
0: It's quite possible. Which one has Wait. a vampire in it? Two. Oh yeah. Wait. Yes. Yeah. See, I know my Metal Gear Solid. Well, I'm not More sure. Why don't I you do. start out because? Uh, Speaking of stuff I know and don't know, I don't even know what this game is, uh, so I'm not going to be able to contribute much to the conversation. Nick, you don't even have a PS4, right? That's true. Yeah, McMaster, you're on your own. Tell us about this game, and uh, I, I'm I'm a completely blank site. I don't even know. It's probably like a fighting game, and it's got uh, cut scenes, and uh, what, what are you going to talk about?
2: Have you ever seen The Postman?
0: Yes, uh, with Kevin Costner delivering mail in the post-apocalypse.
2: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, You uh, are Norman Reedus, uh, his character, Sam Porter Bridges. And um, after the end, or I don't know, some horrible extinction event with uh, some explosions, uh, you're one of the few people left uh, alive, and you have a special job and thing that you do, which is deliver packages. And... um, that part of the game I actually am quite fond of. Like I, you're kind of it. It has a total spin tires kind of feel to it because you're like delivering packages across like rough terrain and having to avoid all you know all these things. And you have to worry about your balance. Like you actively have to keep your balance if you're got a lot of stuff on Tell your me, back. Tell
0: me, do I have to use the that gyro control no, thing? No, okay. no, 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 okay, no. God. Good
2: you use it you use it in the game but not for anything that matters so okay. um, like so when you, when you're running packages and stuff you can load up a bunch of stuff in your back and you end up you know going going across terrain etc and you have different tools you have like a ladder or climbing um ropes and stuff like that that you can leave on the map and once you connect an area to this big network you're building then other people's stuff will show up on your map too so the next time you go through places, you can climb a ladder that somebody left there, or go across a bridge that was that you didn't build. Of course, you can also build stuff uh, throughout the game. Um, but the whole point of the of the game is the delivering these packages and bringing people together uh, after being, you know, uh, all these horrible events happening, tearing people apart. So that's that's cool. Like that's the fun part of the game. Um, and then,
0: and then there's, uh, there's a couple the questions co- real quick. Do you fight things? Okay. Yes. Are there zombies around or anything?
2: Some. Uh, so fighting is not the majority of what you do. <laughs> like okay, there's two different types of enemies. Basically, there's humans that are crazy that love delivering packages. I, I know. Uh, and they want to come steal your packages and, I guess, run around with them. So you have to fight those guys. But mm-hmm. the problem is, in this game, every time time you kill, if you kill somebody, you have to dispose of their body, or it creates this monster thing and all sorts of hell oh, breaks loose. Okay, okay. Right. So you don't really want to kill those guys, but you have non-lethal options and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. And then there's the... The BTs, the beach things or whatever BT stands for. And it's these kind of otherworldly monsters. And and they do add a bit of suspense to the game because like when you get near them, this little uh, meter, like not meter, this like detector pops up. And it kind of like will point towards where they're going and like click and move depending on how close you are to them. And you can use this little thing to scan and kind of see their outlines and stuff. And there are certain weapons eventually that you get that you can kill them with. At first, you have to kind of sneak through everything. Um, And and the game is, I think, kind of encourages a stealthy approach. Um, But those are the the two major kind of combats. With the exception being when you get... If one of those, the, the BTs, if they like attack you and grab you. Then all of a sudden this tar like spreads out from your, like all around you. And these, these bot like people start coming out of the, the tar and trying to pull you under. And if they pull you down, then you get swept like, I don't know, quite a, yeah, quite a little trek away and a giant monster will show up like a giant squid or a lion thing or a, a whale And the whole ground is like this kind of gloopy tar that's violently moving and um, like cars and, and buildings and stuff will come up out of it and you can run around on those and they kind of like dynamically move away or sink and it looks really cool. And it's it's interesting. It's just kind of exhausting after a time, after a few of those. Uh, but they look really cool. Like, the, the game is based on the Guerrilla Games engine for Horizon Zero Dawn. So uh, the wide spaces and the, the natural, like, uh, uh, landscape and everything is really attractive. Um, it's actually a really nice-looking game. Where where you start to get a little nuts, of course, is the Kojima factor. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You the factor. (laughs) So like basically up until about halfway through the game, I would say it's a pretty good time. You're going through. Yeah, it's nutty. Whatever, you know. And then it kind of tips into what the hell is going on territory, and the game becomes less enjoyable. It becomes more of a slog uh, because you're just kind of, I don't know. uh, It turns out there's only so many hours you can deliver packages while hearing weird stories, you know. Uh, But the the Kojima factor I talk about, of course, obviously the plot makes no, I mean, it makes sense in a weird, hard sci-fi way, but like not, it's all just very 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 overwrought um and he has like it's a game that looks like it's like hey kojima wanted to hang out with people that he's a fan of so he put like every person in the world in this game uh guillermo del toro plays a major character uh let's see conan o'brien has a bit part
0: are these like Uh, spoilers are these things that that are like routinely known about the game, or are these supposed to be things these that are These are these are pretty
2: pretty routinely known. Like all of the like the cast list is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen, uh, Norman Reedus, you know, just just tons of people, and it's just real real crazy to the point where it starts to become exhausting. Um, like I'm. I think in hour number four of the end of the game or something at this point. And it's, it's so many cutscenes that just don't make any sense. But if you kind of skip them all, there's nothing left of the game. So I I feel like I probably should watch them even though it's, it's, it's real Kojima there at the end.
0: My Um, overall takeaway, just from hearing you talk about it and knowing nothing about it, it seems like the common thread you, you mentioned that, The goopy sequences are exhausting. You said the end is... It sounds like an exhausting game, just (laughs) overall. Uh,
2: Towards the end, yeah. It it really is.
0: Uh, Weren't weren't you even saying that the the combat stuff, when the things pull you into the ground, you said that, like, that got exhausting?
2: Yeah, and the reason being is, like, it's always you're trying to do a delivery. And the only time you're ever going to get caught by that is, like, if you screw up or if you're... You know, if you just don't see it. Uh, and it it just kind of takes you another it takes forever, the sequences, and it throws your stuff like all over the place. And afterwards, you have to go back and grab all your crap, reorganize your cargo and you can get car or trucks, you, these little trucks and you can get these like motorcycle things. But of course, a lot of the game isn't designed to be played that way. It's about, you know, these long, lonely sequences, which are the best part of the game. Uh, hands down the the traveling over kind of like a lonesome landscape and there are some nice musical cues uh from different bands throughout where you're just kind of walking along um it's and then you reach this point like towards the middle of the game that's by far the best which is you're you're towards the middle of the country, you're connecting all these outposts and everything, and you're doing stuff like getting materials together to build roads, you're building infrastructure, you're kind of like reconnecting everything. And the side effect of that is you get more, uh, it makes it easier to do your deliveries. And so you get more and more, you know, whatever. (laughs) Which brings me to the experience uh, system for the game. So I guess this is a statement. Um, I know it's a statement by Kojima, but instead of regular experience, you get likes, like Facebook likes. So the better you do, people will give you more likes. And those likes go into different categories that give you different bonuses to delivering stuff. And there's a lot of meta with people like this guy Hartman, who has... I'm not going to get into that. Jesus, this whole game. Anyway, <sighs> the the characters. Oh, so he gives you likes all the time by giving you a thumbs up, and there's little like uh, digital hearts that show up and stuff, and uh, and that's your experience system. Um, and then on top of that, you can boost your stats and regain your stamina by drinking Monster Energy drinks, literally branded Monster Energy drinks um and <laughs> well, like think, in-game cans of
0: monster yes, energy yes for real yeah <laughs> yes. awesome they, they uh, know I, their target audience <laughs> their target then, market
2: i guess they do this is kojima we're talking about here <laughs> like i
0: don't he doesn't strike me as
2: a pounded monster kind of game designer but anyway
0: but i'm getting no uh, i mean monster knows to uh oh, like, oh they, yeah. they know that they the video gamers will suck that stuff up i can't stand it but yeah
2: uh i mean it's a it's, uh, okay, I'm not gonna get into monster, but the the whole <laughs> you mix
0: it with uh, vodka McMaster that's the secret,
2: oh yeah, um, or you just don't care about yourself. That's the other secret um so other than his meta commentary on uh w- with monster and everything, we finally get to of course the weirdest part, which is the baby, which is the bridge baby, which I have a physical representation of sitting behind me uh and it's, uh I don't really get what it's supposed to be, but it connects you to the other side and allows you to be able to sense the different monsters out there. And it gets really upset sometimes. And here's where the motion controls come in. You have to take the, the baby off of your suit and then you have to rock it a little bit so oh no. that it becomes happy and it gives you a thumbs up and blows little heart bubbles in its weird container. Um it, is it like a human
1: baby or yeah, like it looks yeah, yeah, like yeah. a
2: human baby but doesn't yeah. act like one? Yeah sort of except one that's not born. Um it was uh I guess what they call in the game uh, stillborns and still mothers and they I yeah, dude it's it's so nonsense. Uh, it, <laughs> it, basically it's just like everything in the game looks cool But it just, it has nonsense reasons for being there and existing. And it's like, you don't have to try that hard, you know? But, like, the character names, so much of it's so hard to take seriously. Because one of the main characters is Die Hard Man. Another one is Heart Man. Another one is Dead Man. Uh, The, You know, it's just and and they're they're just ridiculous anyway, uh but all that said, up until about you now the middle of the game, I was having a great time, so that's uh any questions I'd love to answer just to answer any questions there. uh
0: I mean <laughs> not really. <laughs> sounds interesting, it, okay
2: It's different.
0: you described it a lot, but I didn't get a sense for whether or not you like it or why you do or don't like it though.
2: Uh, so okay, yeah, that's a good point, right? So, the reason that I that I do like parts of it, as I mentioned, is the kind of the solitude of it, but also it has a great feeling of accomplishment, I guess, once you make these deliveries, and the deliveries they they give you something to do. Like I said, I would compare it to something like Spin Tires or or some sort of trucking simulator or something where your whole thing is you have to make these deliveries and how will you do that depends on what rating you get and, and how well you go forward. And sometimes if you fail, you know, whether or not, uh, your, your packages and stuff that you carry take damage. Um, and you can repair the outer case, but the internal stuff will sometimes take damage as well based on, you know, being like smashed around or dropped or what have you. um, and so there is a lot of, like, movement uh, and and kind of climbing and um, advancement further into the country, which changes the scenery and gives you different things to kind of do, like what I said, with the building of the roads and the bridges. So I really enjoyed building infrastructure, and I enjoyed the challenge of getting to the different places to open them up. Right. Um But where the game starts to lose it for me is you get to a point where you go to an area that's all snowy and there's it's really hard to traverse and everything. And that's fine or whatever, but it just drags. It starts to hit this point where you're just kind of running back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth over this area that's like really hard to traverse. And and then once you've done that, you, you kind of go to this other smaller area and then all hell breaks loose in Weirdo Town. You know, it just kind of like nothing makes sense and there's a couple of cool boss fights, but I, it's it's Hi. like one of the yeah, you know, one of the boss fights is it's kinda of like fourteen phases or something. I just it's just exhausting. It's like confusing and tiring after halfway.
0: So, it sounds like thumbs down for Death Stranding.
2: Uh. Thumbs somewhere.
0: Right. Some, <laughs> thumb, thumbs on the beach. I don't know. Uh, the yeah. Uh, Nick, tell us about something more conventional.
1: Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: So,
1: Planet Zoo is not as confusing at all. <laughs> um, it's pretty straightforward. It's made by the uh, Frontier, the same people that made Planet Coaster. Um, the and Jurassic it Park is, one, right? What's that?
0: Didn't they do the Jurassic Park one as well?
1: They did the Jurassic Park one, yeah. Because my concern uh, was this a,
0: is just Jurassic Park, but everything is fuzzier.
1: There's definitely bits of it where you can see, you know, that they were kind of testing things in Jurassic Park to put into this. Uh-huh. Um, so it's sort of like a a mix of Planet Coaster and Jurassic Park. It kind of brings in the The genetics and the animal management uh together from jurassic park uh with the kind of freeform building that you would get in planet coaster so um what so let me just back up a little bit so if 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 you haven't played planet coaster for those of you out there uh planet coaster of course comes from the the whole theme park tycoon type you, you know genre uh where you just build Uh, An amusement park, you fill it up with roller coasters and rides, and you're really managing the crowd, right? You manage the crowd of people, and you're trying to funnel them to good rides, make them spend money at concessions, uh, you know, and get them to bathrooms, and and you manage staff, um, and et cetera. It it all sounds great. Planet Coaster, though, was really kind of, I felt anyway, tedious, uh, because the thing is, once you build a ride and you plop it down, that's pretty much it. Like, it, There's really nothing else going on with that ride now. It's down, it's good, you turn it on, and there it goes. Um, so if you were great at building rides and environments, uh, that was probably your jam 100%. If you were more into the theme park managing uh, side of it, uh it it kind of fell on that city skylines uh side of the sim continuum right where it's, well, eh, it's not much management but it's it's more just building and playing with toys and environments
2: i thought that there was a point where you had to like update the roller coasters and they lost appeal and stuff over time or am i thinking of another game
1: uh well, it depends yeah if you played like uh, if you played, like, open sandbox, you can pretty much just build whatever you want and set it and forget it. Um, oh. There was definitely a little bit of, you know, after time, the attraction would start to lose a little appeal. But, it, I mean, it did, It never impacted me in any financial way. <laughs> you could just leave it. Like, whatever, dude. Um, I don't know. Maybe that was by design, too, right? Like, certainly in real life, there are old attractions that suddenly become vogue again because... You know, enthusiasts will discover like, oh, this is the old 1920 roller coaster. Everybody loves it. It's wooden, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly it's like the most popular thing in the world. I don't know. Um, But Planet Zoo kind of takes that idea and I think uh, makes it a lot more interesting because now the attractions themselves – you actually do have to manage those. Like there is stuff you have to do with them. It's no longer just set it and forget it. I'll come back to that in a minute, by the way. Um, So you build an attraction, right? A little area. And let's say you put aardvarks or antelopes or bears or whatever in it. Um, And then, you know, there are certain uh, environmental or habitat uh, plants or fauna that, that the uh, that the animal would prefer, right? Like if they're from the tundra, they're they're going to want like little low bushes and more dirt. If they're from the jungle, they're going to want like taller trees and vines and, you know, really thick foliage. Uh, there's certain foods that they have to have. Um, and then along with that, of course, you've got the the park kind of meta management where you're trying to manage you know, the crowds and get them through and, hey, you can see this side of the pandas. You should not see the other side. And there's kind of a balance there, right? Because some animals like they like, uh, for example, only a certain percentage of their habitat to be viewable by human beings, right? Right. Because they they just don't like people like staring and ogling at them all the time. Um, So it's a lot more interesting in that respect. Where it falls down for me, unfortunately, is a big part of designing these environments for your animals to go into uses a system that's very similar to how you build the walkways in the game. Uh, And you can you can tell it's very much the same kind of code. They just made it a 3D wall instead of a gravel pathway. Uh, and if you played Planet Coaster, it's the same thing as well, this this pathway kind of technology that they use. Uh, it, it's infuriating. Now, it Do you is, mean to
0: build the actual physical walls around the, the yes, habitats Yeah, because that's one ha- of the things – that's about as far it, as I got into the tutorial stuff is uh, realizing that, oh, wait, that doesn't quite connect. Oh, wait, now I've got this weird angle jutting off of it. Oh, wait, now I have to – wipe out this whole side and re- redo yes. it again, that kind of thing. Is that what you're talking about?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It is the most infuriating thing because they're obviously trying to kind of make it easier for you. So instead of like, hey, if you have no artistic talent and you just you know want to plop a, like a kidney bean-shaped area for your bears to be in, uh, we'll make that easy for you by just having this kind of track, like almost a railroad track system, right? Which would be fine except – it's the path system. So it keeps wanting to join to other right. parts of the wall that you're building or the fence. Um, and then it, it's, it's so it, 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 like, it just makes me want to tear my hair out when I use this thing. Right. So the way around that of course is, Hey, there are designs in the workshop. You can just download a design in the workshop oh. and just use it if that's what you want. All right. Um, so, okay. Find a bear habitat and plop it down in your amusement or your, your zoo
0: and it's fully uh, integrated into the game right you're not having to swap yep. out to steam yeah okay
1: yep yep it's it's fully integrated you can just plop it in that's great uh, but you know God help you if the guy that made that particular workshop item um, let's say used incorrect items for your animal or they used items that you haven't researched yet uh-huh. or <laughs>
0: What if, it, what if they use something you haven't researched yet? Does it just – can you not create that habitat or does that habitat just have holes in it where the stuff that you haven't researched would go?
1: The habitat has holes in it, right? Okay. But then what happens is you put the animal in there because you don't know yet and it – the game doesn't tell you, hey, you're missing a bunch of stuff for your panda. Right. right? It just – you plop it down. You're like, oh, panda habitat. Let me put the panda in there. You put the panda in there and suddenly the panda goes haywire because – he doesn't have, like, six different things that he needs, right? He doesn't have an engagement toy. He doesn't have the right kind of foliage. He doesn't have a freaking water bowl. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have, oh, no, there's too much viewability for the one side of the it's, – it's nuts. It's
0: it sounds nuts. like you shouldn't be downloading stuff from Steam Workshop, Nick. You should be making your own habitats.
1: You really should be making your own habitats. So you're kind of forced back into really making your own stuff kind of like – well, it's really, again, like Planet Coaster, where you're going to spend a lot of time fiddling around with this stuff. If you love that, I think that's great. Um, But for me, I feel it just gets in the way of actually... You know, dealing with the animal side of it, the animal man- management, I don't know, the veterinary side of
0: it. I, I want to hear about that in a minute, but first let me just float something. So I think that's one of the prices you have to pay for their elaborate 3D engine, because uh, Zoo Tycoon, which did this sort of thing way back when, it's a 2D game, everything's a grid, I think most recently of Prison Architect, where it's super easy to just, on a grid, you're just setting something up, or, or lots of games with building that just have. 2d engines it's just flat discrete squares and you never have to worry about things not lining up because you're basically playing them on graph paper uh but the trade-off is you don't get the elaborate 3d engine that frontier is giving you in, in zoo archi- in zoo, uh uh zoo what is it zoo tycoon planet zoo planet zoo i was close i got one <laughs> of the words right uh but it, like that that's kind of what's going on here right if you want a super gorgeous engine you're going to have to deal with how complicated it is to create things out of those 3d graphics right
1: yeah i'm pretty sure that's part that well i would say that's that's a part of that uh issue uh because it i mean if you've played microsoft's zoo tycoon that came out i don't know a few years ago that was fully 3d It had beautiful looking environments uh it was a lot easier to put stuff together Obviously, it was not as robust. Like right. you couldn't make these crazy fantasy-looking habitats and you know multi-levelled um, zoos like you can here. Uh, so there's that, right? There's that trade-off. Um, but I would say the the other, I think the other part of that issue is that I think based on Planet Coaster and I think the sales of something like City Skylines. I I think this part of the industry and frontier in general is responding to the, well, this is what sells and this is what the people want, right? Like the creative types who want to spend three hours designing their panda habitat. Like that guy who also does a bunch of YouTube videos and probably has, you know, social media and whatever, like this whole engagement is what we're trying to push.
0: Right. Like the roller coasters and roller coaster take or planet coaster that you could ride in first person because you mentioned right. once you build a the ride, there's nothing to it. But I think a lot of the creative types who really responded to that, they wanted to build a roller coaster that they could then like ride and see how cool it looked and felt and watch the little people in it. Uh, oh, right, right, right. And there was and,
1: definitely I mean, there's no denying, right, if you pull up a YouTube of, you know, a bunch of kick-ass-looking coasters that, you know, these experts have designed. You're like, oh, my God, how did they make a Star Wars or Aliens-themed roller coaster? Right. Like, okay. pfft.
0: But now the counterpart to that here is the creative types. They're building these habitats, and the gratification they get are these awesome animal graphics, right? Like, the animals must look awesome.
1: Yeah. <gasps> Wait, I mean, what, are you,
0: what are you hemming and hawing for? Come on. They don't look awesome?
1: I I mean, okay. Art is subjective. Why do you hate uh, animals? <laughs> but for, like, I don't like the way they look here. Like they look oh. really weird because they have that – they have that uh, – th- like they have a fur algorithm going on on these animals that j- – it just doesn't look con- – everything looks like a porcupine.
2: Real, real animals have fur alg- algorithms too,
1: Nick. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> everything just looks like a porcupine. Like all the fur right. looks really kind of spiky and weird. Like it doesn't – it, 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 none of it looks natural to me. None of it.
0: I'm thinking of a game that we'll talk about in a minute, the way that in uh, Jedi Fallen Order, the things look okay, but the moment you see a Wookiee and they're trying to do like fur all over it, it's like, ugh. That, like, the graphic engine falls apart at that point. Like, oh my like, god! The Wookiees look so bad in that game. Yeah, fur, fur is just like like fur and hair are hard to do because they're basically they're they're closer to liquids than solids the way that they move and and that's just expensive graphically. So unless you've got something with like anime hair, uh, right. it's just gonna it's, it's difficult to do. So so fluffy, petable animals that that can be hard. I can imagine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird too because you've got the. Uh, I forget what they call them, but the little people, right? The visitors to your zoo uh, are very much done in the style of planet coasters. So they're kind of cartoony and their hair is sort of, you know, solid blobs, right? So you've got a crowd of these like solid blob animated looking people. And then there's this what's attempting to be a photorealistic, you know, fur covered aardvark. Right. And it's, I, it just looks weird, man. Like, th- this is a game I feel like it looks better when it's zoomed out quite a ways.
0: <laughs> Jurassic Park, I imagine, their Jurassic Park game didn't have that because nobody... I mean, we don't... We're, we're not used to what a, an actual dinosaur looks like, right? Like, right. the expectations there are, hey, it's just like special effects in movies. Right. Like, did, did the no dinosaurs per- look weird in that? No, no, they looked
1: yeah. fine. Well, they looked like the dinosaurs in the movie would, right? right? right. I'm sure... A, paleontologists would play it and tell you a million ways it's all wrong, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> right. I think they've all lost that fight now in popular media, so give up. Uh,
0: so the, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is you uh, in the, the old 2D zoo tycoons, you make the habitat, you put the animal in there, and because it doesn't give you this luxurious, elaborate, even if the fur is crappy, 3D engine to look at and admire your animal, you're basically done with it. You just make sure that a, a zookeeper gives it food regularly, and you're done. You built it. You don't interact with it anymore. Uh, you mentioned that, is is this, a, as you said before, a set it and forget it thing with the animal pens, or is there some active engagement, like in a Sims game, where you're managing an ongoing... Uh, like, like they die, right? Don't they get old and they do. So you have to do it, things to make them happy? Like what's going on you with your animals? You
1: definitely have to do things where you have to keep continuously sort of tweaking the environment and then okay. uh as animals age out, you have to bring in new animals and you have to when you do that, you kind of, like each animal kinda of has a personality, right? Like the more advanced ones will. Um and I don't mean like a you know, like a cartoonish personality, but like a certain animal you'll get to in the zoos where you'll feel like, okay, well, this guy definitely does not like, you know, a bunch of other male of his type in that pen, right? I he'll mean, fight who does, all... right? Right. Because <laughs> he'll fight all the time. Or this one, you know, is... Hot to trot, man. So he, you know, wants a bunch of females in there or vice versa. The female doesn't want a male in the pen. Uh, And then there are ones where they'll just decide, like, and I'll be honest, I don't know if this is a glitch or not, but it it seemed pretty cool, was, you know, as the animals reproduce, you'll have uh, the babies or the cubs, um, and then certain animal fur patterns will put off the other animals of that same type like they'll decide yeah we don't like him he's you know albino or whatever like at right. that dude. <laughs> and then you'll have to split them up um and then there's there's even like interoperability with uh it, it's sort of the same concept of you know as the animal type is uh, as they age in your park the crowd will get used to them and be like, "Yeah, all right, we've seen an antelope. What you got for me next?"
0: Right. They right. need a new hotness, right?
1: Right. And then, and then you 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 even have to. Some animals will prefer to have completely different species of animal in their pen uh, as well, right. right? Like an antelope will decide, "Look, man, I really want like weird gophers in my pen with me because that's the way I'm, you know, used to being." On the Sub-Saharan Plain or whatever. Um, right,
0: or like hippos great. want those hippo, those birds that clean their right, teeth. Right, the little birds, whatever. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Like that kind of stuff. So so there's a lot
1: of management and stuff. And then the other part is uh, they have like a franchise mode, which is the, uh, you can trade like online with other players their animals. Oh, so you, you trade back and forth and you, you, it's almost like the the zoo animal sharing kind of system where you trade back and forth you borrow an animal you reproduce with it you can give it back like it is that part is
0: very cool i think mcmaster i'll trade you uh this gopher for two of your tigers i'll give you a norman retus Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) that's quite that that's that's quite a draw mcmaster have you seen the ratings on walking dead
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, no. you All you gotta do is you rub a little dirt <laughs> on him, get him sweaty, put him in a vest, and let him stalk around in a cage. You'll draw, it.
0: man. All, yeah. right, have, all right, give me the Ritas. Re- Here's your gopher. Uh, <laughs> have fun.
2: That's such a terrible trade. Poor Norman Ritas. <laughs> Poor gopher. <laughs> all I right, give so that
0: go for a good life. Frontier's uh, Planet Zoo. Uh. And is the because I remember I recall and I think this has probably been addressed a fair bit since it's been released. But I recall Planet Coaster when it was out was way too sandboxy and didn't have much meat there for someone who wanted to play it like a strategy uh, park management game. I'm guessing that Planet Zoo right out of the gate offers more challenge and more like gameplay gristle to gnaw on in terms of a a park management game. Correct. Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just just the aspect of. Uh, of managing the different uh animals and the you know having to actually fiddle with that is uh, yeah it, it, it's exponentially better than planet coaster straight out of the gate
0: cool campaign mode
1: uh there is a campaign mode um i'm about four levels into it so not far in the campaign mode but uh it, it, it's all right the first few levels at least are very tutorially, which you yeah. know that's fine that's the way you want it to be um Really, the franchise mode and just the sandbox mode are where the meat of this is, and uh, the unlike planet coaster, even if you play the sandbox mode, there is a challenge in keeping that zoo running mm. and keeping the animals happy.
0: So wait, franchise mode, I have to specifically have a park that's built to trade for and for, uh, to trade animals in.
1: Yes, so okay. franchise mode is online only. So if you click on there, whatever zoo you build in franchise mode, that's online all the time. Like you have to have it online. Um, if you go into sandbox yourself, that's single player or offline. You don't have to be online. But then you don't get to trade.
0: So uh, is the trade stuff like automated? Is there like an auction house? Because I know in the game normally you just buy the animals and the keepers deliver them. Uh, what's going on in franchise mode that I'm not getting in single player other than knowing that, hey, I got this tiger from McMaster?
1: Uh, well, um, so f- other than getting the tiger from McMaster, uh, in franchise mode, you would be able to get animals that you could not get in the regular mode f- uh, faster. Like okay. Instead of having to research them, you can just go straight to this marketplace and, I see, you know, buy a tiger straight right, out of the right. gate if you had enough
0: money. So basically, if you're like a laissez-faire capitalist, you just want franchise mode because there's no, it's just just money gets you everything. It's totally free market-driven, the prices, uh, and none of this like waiting for things to be finished on a tech tree.
1: Yes, right. although. There was, a, I don't know. There was for a few days. There was a there was a weird glitch in franchise mode where everything looked like a uh, like a reject from a Hellraiser movie. Uh,
0: Wait, that sounds awesome. What do you mean? Yeah,
1: <laughs> like everything just looked like a nightmare. Yeah, that does it was just sound Completely awesome. messed up. Um, so
0: <laughs> now you're making me hope that Frontier does a, a like a, a cabin in the woods monster management game.
1: Oh, I would love that. Oh in my fact, god! Now that yeah. you say it, it, you're you're screwed because you put it out there in the public.
2: Well, no, I mean that game already exists, just not not in 3D, and I, I don't know if it's very good. I just never felt like buying it, but there is totally a, a Cabin in the Woods, Monster Management. 2D. Wait, what is this game? Oh God, I can't remember the name of it, but it, it just it doesn't it doesn't look great.
0: There are a mean, few there are few indie things that are like that like hey make your own monster but i something like something with the elaborate production value of Planet Zoo like imagine how cool that would be and plus you would also have to do the thing like where you unleash the monster oh, yeah. on in certain uh, movie genres on unsuspecting people and
1: it's or, uh, or you could be like Fran Kranz and hit that button
2: See exactly just I let believe, everything out <laughs> I believe it's called Lobotomy Corporation and it's on Steam oh. it's actually really
0: highly rated you know, let's, hold on, McMaster, let's see, I'm going to see how many, I I don't know it by name, but I'm going to guess I have at least an hour in this, Lobotomy, oh, there we go, it's in my library, how so much time played, um, 44 minutes played, McMaster. Ooh, sounds good. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to, I'm quite the authority in this game, uh, let me just look at a store page and see if I even remember what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, that thing. Yeah, that, you know, it's kind of cute, but my problem with Lobotomy Corporation is uh, I think it's poorly documented. Like, it's kind of hard to figure out how things work. It, it needs some work on the new user experience, as they say. But, yeah, people love that thing. Look at that.
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I was like, it doesn't look as great as these the rating. but whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that's but that's one I was thinking about. Right. Yeah. So, well, of your, course, of course you put it. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, speaking of things that I've played, uh, which so McMaster, you you obviously know the Wookiees look terrible. You've obviously played some yeah. uh, Jedi: Fallen Order. Nick, have you have you seen this new Star Wars game?
1: I have indeed. Yeah, our, our house is a Star Wars house, so yeah. Okay. We have.
0: Let me ask you guys: what's better, Jedi: Fallen Order or The Mandalorian? McMaster, go. Jedi: Fallen Order. Ooh, Nick, what would you say? Oh,
1: hands down, Jedi Fallen Order.
2: I haven't what? seen The Mandalorian, so oh, it's well, not <laughs> – McMaster, so, you're going to have to I recuse mean...
0: yourself then.
2: No, no. I'm still going. Which... <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean I, I don't
2: know. I'm just yeah, – no.
0: All right. Well, here's, here's – it's so good. Let's all talk about this because – and I didn't know this, and this is one of the things I love about – being intentionally ignorant about video game marketing. And I'm the same way with movies, TV, books, whatever. Uh, I like going in blind. So I didn't know that this was, and I'm sure everybody but me knew it, that this was a Star Wars game in a Dark Souls-style uh, uh, game world. Yeah, All of that I was mean, new to me. The moment it dropped me off at that planet, and I started like finding shortcuts and seeing... That uh, there were those prayer circles that were like campfires. I was like, wait a minute, that was a really cool discovery that I'm sure everybody but me knew. But I take issue with EA's implementation of what makes Dark Souls great, because I think, I'm with you. Yeah, because I I think this is not a good example of a a designer inspired by Dark Souls. I think they're aping the formula of Dark Souls without understanding it, and that's that's my main issue with uh, uh, Jedi Fallen Order. So here's my problem right off the gate, uh, Dark Souls has a sense of investment that it creates with the difficulty level, not just in terms of learning to fight, but also in terms of figuring out the environment and learning the map, as it were, learning the level. Uh, Two things immediately in Jedi Fallen Order undercut this in a fundamental way, and I'm not the least bit surprised that EA did both of them because They don't want to alienate people. They don't want people to get frustrated the way that Dark Souls can frustrate people. Uh, You choose a difficulty level. And you can change it at any time in the game. In Dark Souls, when I came to a difficult boss battle, I just had to bang my head against it until I beat it. And most of the time, what happened is I stopped playing Dark Souls. But what also happened is that when I did beat a boss like that, I got a sense of accomplishment and elation and relief that no other video game can provide. Uh, So here, if I get into a boss boss fight, which I can't deal with and it hasn't happened so far, I can go in and drop the difficulty level. Also here, McMaster, you and and our friend Mike uh, pumped up the difficulty level a notch. Um, But there's no incentive for you to do that you don't get anything different from the experience other than artificially making it more difficult than i have it at the default level uh so i feel that the tuning the the developer mandated difficulty level in dark souls is what makes it as gratifying as it can be it also makes it frustrating but it goes hand in hand here i you can just there's even i think the easiest level which is the, the, there are four difficulty levels. The default is the second easiest, so you can drop it down one level. And I imagine there you just waltz through and look at the cutscenes, I guess. Um, I would
2: imagine so, because like Jedi, <laughs> Jedi Master is not that hard. I mean, like, and, and
0: the same with the default. Like the default, I don't know yeah. what the names are, but the default difficulty level, I've, I, 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 got, I, I'll come into a boss battle and think, oh god, here we go, and then accidentally finish it, and I'm like, oh, okay, that, that was no big oh, deal. I accidentally yeah. beat this boss. So there's not a lot of pushback, and I think that that robs it of a lot of what makes Dark Souls great. And I'm sure that a lot of people are all for that change. It lets them play this and experience this game.
2: And and I think that is totally – I think there are a lot of people very for it. And I think one of the reasons that they did it is because it's a Star Wars. I mean this is not their own property. This isn't something – You know, this is something that EA – I mean (laughs) there's an argument to be made that all games are kind of mass market. Pro- products, you know, but EA is certainly aware of that, and I'm pretty sure that paid in, played in. Well,
0: into I, it. I'm convinced, McMaster, I think EA would do it whether it was Star Wars or not because Electronic Arts is Electronic Arts. They're not in the it's same. Uh, they're They're not appealing. They, their mandate as a company and as people answerable to their shareholders is broad appeal. That's just that's just what they traffic in. And that's why they have the Star Wars license and that's how they do the Star Wars license. So, uh, you know, it's a bit of a chicken or an egg thing. I think this would be sure, the case yeah. whether it was a Star Wars game or not. Uh, but the other thing that I feel robs it of the value that Dark Souls has, the worlds that are built in these Dark Souls games, whether it's uh, Sekiro or Bloodborne or any one of the Dark Souls or the original Demon Souls, is figuring out the world without just looking at a mini-map. It's figuring out the world by figuring out the world, not Mm -hmm. by looking at a map screen. And looking at a map screen is something that a lot of video games do for convenience because you have a very different kind of situational awareness awareness in a 3D game than you do in the real world. So you don't get as much of a sense for – in a a 3D game – Little aids like a map screen are kind of necessary help. But Dark Souls games are built around looking around and figuring out the environment on your own uh, and figuring out where things connect. And, oh, that's over there because of the way the skybox is or, or that creature like that you see in the distance. You know that's over in that direction. Uh, you learn the Dark Souls worlds by learning the Dark Souls worlds, not by looking at a map. And Jedi Fallen Order is the polar opposite of that and that, anytime you want, you just press the button, and BD1 gives you a, a 3D holographic image that not only makes it super easy to look around at the whole level, but that lights up in bright yellow where you're supposed to go next. And there's none of that sense in Dark Souls of, well, crap, I'm kind of trapped and a little bit lost. Uh, I need to, I need to do some exploration and, and kind of some some mental mapping to figure out this world. Uh, all of that is gone in, in Fallen Order, which kind of pulls you through. It's a nonlinear game in that you can do different things at different points. And there are some branching areas where if you just want to go back and explore. Uh, but generally, it's super linear in that you're going here to progress the storyline and to progress the main quest. And it's always just a bright yellow thing on your map that you press the button and it pops up. Um, so for those two reasons, I think that they've missed the point of, what makes Dark Souls games appealing to the kinds of people who play them. Now, as someone who is not the kind of person, as I mentioned, I've never finished a Dark Souls game because I always hit that boss or whatever frustration where I stop playing. So, in a way, I should be thankful that EA has done this for me because I will probably be able to finish Jedi Fallen Order. It will not run me away at some point. Um, But my problem that kicks in there is that I think... That everything that Jedi Fallen Order does, with one exception, is done better in another game I recently played, which I I love and will end up, I'm sure, being one of my favorite games this year. I think everything Jedi Fallen Order does is done better in Control.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, well...
0: I don't know. Everything. I don't know. I mean well, – well, so, And I want to open the floor and see what you guys think. Everything with one exception, and that exception is uh, Star Wars theming. That is done better in Jedi Fallen Order than in Control. Oh, cr-
2: well, I mean <laughs> I, I love Control, and I really do. But I like the combat more uh, on average uh-huh. in, in
0: Fallen Order. So uh, I, I mean – because that's one of their main differences too is that the combat in Control – both games couple your psychic powers with the combat, and the combat in control is gunplay. The combat in Jedi Fallen Order is swordplay, basically. So yeah, McMaster, that's a fair point. If you're in it for swordplay, like if you want the blocking timing and all of that stuff and looking at the 3D models and learning you know, frame interrupts or whatever, that stuff is in Fallen Order, whereas managing ammo and aiming and different gun types, like, that's the kind of combat in control. So, absolutely, that's a fair point.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like also there's a bit more to the combat, but on average, there's also a lot more combat. So, I mean, the games have kind of different different agendas. Uh, But, uh, I don't know. I, I think that... When it comes to to like the Dark Souls brand, or, or, I don't really think that's totally their goal. I think that it's an interesting thing that they tried to do, but I don't think they committed enough to
0: it if they were going to try to be actually I, that, Dark souls That's a good point. It's their influence, I would say. It's right. their inspiration more than their goal. That's a fair way to put it.
2: Right. Because it, it's like they're uh, – yeah, like you pointed out, well, uh, Tom streams, uh, twitch.tv slash Tom Chick. Hey, go check it out. But uh, he was streaming it the other night, and you pointed out that it's uh, it's easy to – the game starts off really strong, like, with your lightsaber and everything. Right. Uh, and, and you you get into the combat quickly, but it's not very punishing. Like, when you fall off of something, you just reset with a little health loss. Like right. in Dark Souls or something like that, it's going to be a, a death. So to to be the game's more more Assassin's Creed Uncharted than Dark Souls in a lot Dark of ways, Souls. but it has the Dark Souls theming.
0: I I think also it might be more fair, even though Dark Souls is their inspiration. I think for me the end result of it is that it's more like a. And now we're just getting semantic because I you know we're all talking about the same thing. But to me, I think it's more like a Metroidvania.
2: Sure. Is you're just oh, walking around
0: rather than pushing back at you, it's just giving you an interlocking world and giving you different ways to open different paths, um,
2: right? And I, uh, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And also, yeah, I, yeah, I would be a hundred thousand percent remiss if uh, I didn't mention for the sake of Mike that it has an in game or in world map that projects out of uh, DB1 Hollow, uh, Hollow map.
0: So he said that you should technically love that. Because it doesn't really take you out of the game? Oh oh no no. That's a, that's a very good point. I was talking before about a game called Indivisible where when you're playing and that's two D, you just push up on the stick and the little girl looks up and she's considering the map in her mind so it appears at at the top of the screen rather than a separate Oh, we're gonna load your your, your right, interface right. screen. Map yeah, so screen, that's a that's yeah. a good point. I do like that a lot. Yeah. And yeah. it also doesn't pause the game, <laughs> I've noticed. Right. Uh, oh no,
2: it, it totally does not.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I, I will say it reminded me, and this was a, a – like, it reminded me of the way that the last Doom reboot uh, did its 3D levels. The the map was a super yeah. easy – it just made navigating the levels frictionless. Uh, right. And in a Doom game, that's great. Uh, in a Dark Souls game, which – I mean, I'm totally probably pushing this too hard, but in a Dark Souls game that's that's not great uh, is you want to have some friction in the environment as you learn the environment and explore so yeah
2: yeah and I don't know like I think that you also make a good point that like they rely uh, heavily on the Star Wars license and like the size of everything because everything is huge in that game like all the environments
0: are huge, everything is giant. But, right, but hey, yeah. McMaster, I would say that the giantness is all an illusion in that oh, you're yeah. still going down, and some worlds are more open than others, but you can sort of tell with the engine, too. Everything's a corridor, more or less. Oh, yeah. Uh, there are
2: big I, rooms, but, yeah, yeah, there is a lot of corridors, yeah. for sure.
1: Uh, well, there's not a lot of, like, running around exploring different ways. Like, they're, they're little paths, but they're just hallways.
0: And certainly when you – well, no, not just even that, Nick, but like when you get to – like every world is – in order to break it up and make it a hallway, there's just chasms on either side of you right. or there are plateaus. I mean when you go to Kashik, you know, OK, it's not going to be a jungle. No, you know it's no. just going to be – it's going to have convenient uh, elevated paths <laughs> or, or, or caves you go into. Like it looks big, but I just feel like all of that is just trying to trick me into thinking that it's big.
2: Yeah. It's like uh, Lucas with Industrial Light and Magic. It's all matte paintings, you know, <laughs> camera,
0: camera angles. Very good, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I do feel so because I, I do want to uh, – as far as integrating the amount of regular combat and psychic combat, uh, I just really liked the way that Control mixed them up by making them deplete and regenerate separately so that I would have to use magic powers and then those would run out and then I'd have to go to my gun and then i need to let my ammo regenerate. It was pushing me back and forth. And there's some of that here in that you recharge your force by whacking people with a lightsaber. Uh, But I feel that control was just much better tuned at making things like your traversal and your psychic powers it just integrated that with the gunplay much more smoothly and, I think, graciously. Um,
1: yeah, my thing is I, I, like, I love Star Wars stuff, like just the property in general, right? So this is right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that ten years from now, I will probably struggle to remember mm-hmm. Fallen Jedi – Whereas if you said, hey, remember Control, I'd be like, oh, man, that game.
0: Let me even try this, Nick. Hey, remember Kyle Katarn? Right. (laughs) Because I do. Because back then there were, for one thing, fewer games, and Jedi Knight stood out. You know, the way that that game, and again, it was still an illusion, but the way that that game created this sense of huge environments, that was mind-blowing back in the day. Right. So as we went along with this journey with Kyle Katarn and there were like live action cut scenes, which was all the rage back then, like that made quite the impression that I feel that you're, you're right. In 10 years, no one's going to remember Cal Worthington or whatever his name is. I mean,
2: <laughs> to be fair, though, I mean, it does have not bad writing for an action space adventure video game.
0: Right. But again, I would point out that's uh, an area where, again, control beats it hands down in terms of story and character and and more importantly mcmaster uh although this isn't so much a facet of writing it's a facet of the storytelling uh in terms of the personality of the levels in that the office building in control is like a main character in the game and the brutalistic architecture and the way that things shift and the way that the signs would sort of guide you around it uh, like the the building in control is super memorable Whereas this just does the usual Star Wars thing of, okay, this planet is this biome, that planet is that biome. And because of the way the game engine works, every planet is pretty much laid out the same way, but it just has different biome artwork behind it.
2: Mm. I don't know. I mean, a,
0: uh, yeah. I mean, but but story, story – so I'm sorry. I didn't mean to derail you from story. You, you want to talk about how much you like the story in this.
2: Well, no, I think it's just, you know, it, it's certainly um, not the worst thing I've, I've played. I mean, it's no Just Cause 4. <laughs> oh, no, that's what I mean. It's like, you know, it's actually Cal is uh, weirdly unlikable and likable at the same time, depending on what part of the story you're in. So there's yeah. that. Uh, but... And that
0: again, I would the uh, character design again, I would just say that uh, I'm going to get her name was Chloe, right? Did I make that oh, up? Oh, God, it's Jesse. Jesse, Jessie. <laughs> Chloe's the actress, though. No, no, no. But wait, isn't Chloe the actress, or did I make that up? I don't know. I didn't know how I bad know. I screwed it up.
2: I don't know, man. She's dynamite.
0: Uh, but uh, but I was gonna say, like, she was, uh, in that again in that game, and it's a I guess a preference thing. I just thought she was so much more memorable. Uh, oh even though
2: no, I, I'm, certainly. Like, but I, you know, I'm not. I don't. It's not even really fair to compare it to Control in a way. Why do you say that? Just, because, uh, I don't know, con- control is so
0: unusual, but... And again, I think that's one way, And whereas Jedi Fallen Order is really pretty con- conventional. Yeah.
2: In a way, yeah, but I will say that I think respo- Respawn is good at that. So, like, I-, I feel like the game itself, the actual moment-to-moment gameplay, I, I
0: really do like uh, mm-hmm. Fallen Order, but mm-hmm. I... Th- yeah, I mean, I think Control is certainly a more memorable game. Here's another thing. Uh, I don't think Control ever kills the pacing with puzzle nonsense.
2: Hmm, not... See, that. that's where Control gets odd. Because Control has no difficulty level, so Control does its difficulty in a different way, you know? Where it leaves all the stuff like... Hard, weird puzzles and hard boss fights as optionals.
0: Right. So, and that, that again yeah. is where I say kill the pacing is because that's that's stuff that you can do if you want to. You can go back and do it right. after you finish the storyline. But when I'm playing Jedi Fallen Order, it's not going to let me do anything. I guess I could go back and open new doors. But generally it's not going to let me make any progress until I figure out how to get that stupid candle through the waterfall. Yeah, and no, that nonsense, you're, you're... I'm, I'm so overdoing that nonsense after 10 years of, of Tomb Raider games. That just has no no appeal to me anymore. And it certainly yeah, doesn't have appeal sorry. to me in a game where I feel the chief draw is that I'm a badass Jedi fucking shit up with my lightsaber. That's a great sensation, McMaster. And yes. when you talk about the moment-to-moment gameplay, it's super gratifying, yeah. and it comes to a complete screeching halt when I have to figure out how to roll this stupid ball into this little well. Uh,
2: <laughs> see, now that's that's where I 100% agree with you. Like that's the that's the thing that I don't like about the game. And I get I every time I've mentioned this to anyone, I get a lot of shit about it because I and I don't know why. I don't like Uncharted that much. I don't I don't care. I don't. I mean, I like the storyline stuff's fun. Uh, I don't want to climb around on the side of the mountain. Where there's there's no way I'm gonna fall off and die. Uh, if you're gonna make me play something, make me play it because there's a consequence to it.
0: Well, that, isn't that the case in Fallen Order? I've never fallen and died in that game. I think theoretically you
2: can. Well, right. No, if you let go, no,
0: if you don't hold down the left forty times, yeah. I, I just That's, feel like all of that traversal stuff in, whereas the traversal in in Control and. Maybe I'm hitting this too hard, but I loved walking around the office building in control. I love when Jesse gets the ability to, to float around. Like, oh, yeah, it's awesome. I, I love the movement in that. I, I, whereas here, it's like, oh, God, I got to watch him do the little hand-over-hand crawling thing. Oh, God, now he's got to squeeze through the gap so the next area can load. Uh, here, I just feel like it's stuff I've already done in Uncharted games. You know, yeah, let exactly. me get to the next lightsaber yeah. battle.
2: Yeah, and and that part, like, that's really awesome. I love reflecting shots, you know? I love the, the, I don't know, the whole lightsaber thing's great in that
0: game. Right, right, yeah. I will say, yeah, you're right. As far as sword play, Control doesn't have any of that. It doesn't try to have any of that. I think, I don't even remember now, can you smack something with a gun? I forget if Control even has a melee
2: push. Yeah, you have a melee. It's like, and you can increase the damage of it. It's like a psychic. Yeah. Push thing. Right. She does
0: with her hand. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, right. It is a melee attack, and that's the last right. thing I put points into. I do remember now. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. By the way, it wasn't even close. The actress's name is Courtney Hope. I don't know where <laughs> I got. So close. There's gotta be a Chloe in a video game. I was thinking of. I don't know who that would be though. So. Uh, I'm sure in all of time there's been a Chloe. So... <laughs> Who's I'm, the chicken in Life is Strange? Is that Chloe? Yeah, I was gonna
1: say.
2: Isn't that it? Isn't Sweden? that?
0: Sweet. Uh, I never played Life all is right. Strange. So, so, no. I knew I was thinking of something. Um. All right, so uh, so yeah, Nick, where are you on on Jedi uh, Fallen Order?
1: Uh, so far, thumbs up.
0: I will say, and this is something I've been told, and and is starting to uh, become evident to me, it gets better as it goes along, both in yeah. terms of how the powers work and the storyline, uh, and whether or not Cal, what what is his last name? Ripkin. It, no, do you guys not know? Because he's a two. Everybody in Star Wars know. has two names. Like the, do you guys know Cal Blank? Can either of you fill that in? I can't.
1: Cal. Well, he was probably alone, so some Imperial officer <laughs> just told him his name was going to be Solo.
0: Cal Solo, professor. Did you really know without cheating? No, dude. Okay. Cal L is Superman's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, and I will say – what I was going to say is the appeal of him as the game goes on, I think you, you get attached to him more. And as I mentioned yeah. on my stream, it it to me feels very Luke skywalker in that when Star Wars begins – luke is a super annoying california boy like whiner who's like god this guy's super annoying but he grows on you eventually and that annoying quality like something heroic ends up replacing it and i can see a little bit i can see some of that happening with uh cal i, I guess
2: yeah uh and like I say yeah the characters are, are somewhat likable i like the bad guy the second sister is
0: awesome that's true uh, I, the villain yeah. is awesome and there's a cool reveal about the villain that i like yeah. but that that yeah, yeah, exactly. The the sidekicks in the in the ship, I don't care for either of them. Um, yeah,
2: they're they're fine. They're nothing to write home about. But the villain's
0: pretty rad. And, uh, I also, I do like this. Uh, I think that ship is awesome design. Yeah, the it Mantis. looks cool. I like yeah. the
2: spinning part of it. Yeah, how it kind of flips or whatever when it uh, comes into orbit.
0: I, I think that thing beats the Normandy any day of the week.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Though the Normandy's pretty badass. No, it's not, McMaster.
0: Well, it's large. It's irritating <laughs> to run through. So the, Normandy
1: has the, the Normandy has the greatest elevator ever.
0: Oh, my God. Can, can you grow plants in the Normandy?
2: Yeah, probably.
0: Um, you know what? You're there, right. That, yeah, there's that's, a damn botanist on there. <laughs>
2: right.
0: That's a good there's point. A, All right. I think you got me there. There's a stupid
1: fish or whatever, fish aquarium. In oh, it.
0: you're right. You have a fish tank. That is kind of like cow getting those seeds and planting them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You
2: don't want to go up against the Bioware and I Pointless screw off competition. When it
0: comes to what you do. <laughs> okay, let me try this. Uh, the the mantis is better than the jade hawk. Isn't that the name of the uh, Knights of the Old Republic ship? Did I screw yeah. that up?
2: Yeah. Huh. I I barely remember the Wait. jade hawk, so no. yeah, I'm sure that's probably cool. All
1: right. Wait, is it the jade hawk or the eben hawk?
2: Oh, it's
0: the eben hawk. Oh yeah, right, eben hawk yeah. Yeah, good point. See, I didn't remember the name or what it looks like. Therefore, <laughs> the mantis is better. <laughs> <laughs> mantis wins. Yeah. All right, and and again, I've only gotten. I, I don't know where I am. Uh, I've probably got eight, ten hours in it. I'm I'm sure there's more to come. There are probably more twists. So take everything I say with a grain of salt. Um, but and I and I don't mean to come down negative on it. I'm I am enjoying it. It's you know what? It's quote unquote fun at this point. Uh-huh. Oh so, yeah. well. Until I get to a puzzle, I, I seriously before yeah. we recorded, and I'm a little bit ashamed to admit this, I did have to look up how to get the fucking candle through the goddamn waterfall. Like that that right there was. Just, uh, I I finally had to like okay, because I knew we were gonna record in a minute. I was like okay, I can't be bothered to sit down and figure this out. I'm just gonna go Google the damn solution because I banged my head against it for a little while. Um, but until you know I. I, I get at that point in the game, I'm like, I hate this game, I'm not going to play it anymore, and then I get past that, and I'm like, okay, well, let me see what cool stuff comes up. Something cool comes up, and it lures me back in until I get to another candle I have to get through a waterfall. So.
2: Yeah, yeah, that, well, that stuff really does irritate me.
0: It's not as huge of a... Part of it is like something like Uncharted or anything, but which yeah. McMaster is part of why I hate it even more is yeah. they just feel so contrived and out of place. Yeah,
2: yeah it is kind of just like, yeah, yeah, sure, roll some balls around and shit. Yeah. Why not? let's have some
1: puzzles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now. You're gonna have to figure out how to get a fake mustache off that cat. Uh, Hurry. <laughs> it's, like,
2: yeah, it's, it's like what kind of jackass engineer
0: designed these things? Okay. Where you have to roll shit around all over. Like you know, uh, speaking of air fake. Ducts? Uh, so, uh, Nick, you just meant speaking of fake mustaches. Uh, when you are playing Jedi Fallen Order, you find these little chests, and inside you'll find oh, there's a new color okay. of light switch for oh, yeah. the lightsaber. Oh, you can make your poncho yellow and red instead of white and red.
1: Yeah, the ponchos.
0: If you're gonna give me cosmetics, let me, you know, put a hat on Cal or give him a different haircut or let him grow facial hair. Like all the cosmetics I'm finding, I don't care about. I would love to make this guy look different, and I can't. He's just—he looks like he's in a boy band constantly. I can't change he's, that.
2: He's a real—he's a real actor, from what I understand. Like that—that's—that's. Uh, that's, I don't know what he's from, but that's what Alex Chapman was telling me that his daughter is in love with him or something.
0: Well, no, that's what they did with uh, with uh, uh, Courtney, uh, the, the Courtney Hope, the actress who was Jesse Fadden. Uh, yeah. Is they they just here's this this character actress? She's worked before. Let's have her do the voice and the face. And this is an increasingly um, common way to do video games. And I love that. I approve of that one hundred and ten percent. Oh um, yeah, I mean visual fidelity is so high now. But I still I want to like give the, him a mustache. The, if he's gonna look ridiculous, it. let me give him a handlebar mustache. Let me go whole hog.
1: Okay, so here is here is the nerdiness, the Star Wars nerdiness coming out in me. Uh uh-huh. oh. That I that I do enjoy of the Can't cosmetics.
0: Right.
1: If you go to Disneyland and you do the Galaxy's Edge uh, lightsaber workshop thing, right?
2: For seventeen thousand dollars a month. Right.
1: You pay a bajillion dollars and they will give you the opportunity to build your own you quote your own lightsaber out of you know a bunch of different parts, okay, uh, and then you take that home and you're like, look at my cool lightsaber that I designed, right? Mm-hmm. You all can use those it as a components phone. are in this game.
0: So the whole that's where they get this whole idea that a lightsaber is an a nacelle and a cowl and a switch and a, and a yes. like all of that. Yeah. That's awesome. It's tied into yeah, Disneyland. Yeah, like
1: literally the parts that you can collect in this game are parts that come from that Galaxy's Edge real-life
2: attraction. So, uh, so I like this the lightsaber bit. Like, the design's pretty cool. Yeah, who doesn't uh, want to build their own? Yeah, thing? I mean, obviously. Come not. on, really. Yeah, yeah. Who doesn't
1: want some blue milk? Now, the ponchos, you know they can yeah. go to hell.
0: I know, right? Who wants to wear <laughs> this? I don't understand thing? the ponchos. <laughs> it's more like an apron or something. It's good God, yeah. So, Badass
2: apron. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so a little Death Stranding, a little uh, Planet <laughs> Zoo, a little bit of Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, that's what we bring you today. We will be back in two weeks with more stuff to talk about. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Jason McMaster, Nick Diamond, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>